Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. Welcome back to Fostering Community. I'm Kate, and I have some two awesome guests with me today to talk about being a foster parent um, in the foster community. Anna, would you like to introduce yourself first? Sure. My name's Anna. I have lived in Waco for a whole long time, most, most of my adult life, and I was formerly an accountant, and now I am the executive director of CASA yeah. here in Waco, uh, and we're happy to host this podcast uh, my husband's been in a mixture of ministry positions and nonprofit jobs over the years, and we became licensed foster parents at the very end of 2013, and then we were placed with kids early 2014, and they stayed with us uh, for a couple years, and then we adopted them middle of 2016. And so I uh, started with two siblings, and then they had a, a baby sister uh, that was born and kind of roundaboutly joined our family as well. So we're a family of five now and loving it. It's an yeah. adventure every day. Yeah, parenting is. And what about you? Hi, my name is Slim uh, Thompson. I'm a pastor here in Waco. Um, I'm a um, church planter of a new church called Mosaic Waco. Um, but I'm also on the board of CASA. And uh, I'm a foster parent myself. Um, we have three children in the household. Um, two have been fostered to adopt. Okay, great. Um, thank you, Slim. So I'll kind of start with you, Slim. Uh, what made you decide to become a foster parent? Well, um, when I was in high school, my <laughs> wife, uh, who I was dating then, um, said, well, if I have to be a pastor's wife, you have to do this. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> and I what said, a trade-off. What's this? Yeah. <laughs> so she That's wanted to sign up to be a pastor's wife. Uh, and, uh, but she handed me a book, um, and when she said this, I didn't know what this was. She just handed me a book, and it was a book by a guy named Dave Pelzer, um, and it's a it's a book titled A Child Called It. Um, oh, yeah. And it's just this emotional uh, plea. It's the story of this, this uh, boy who grew up in uh, the foster system um, and just had received the abuse um, of foster parents. Mm. Um, and it's it's one of these books, though, that, like, as you read it, you're just, you know, you're horrified at, you know, the, the things that happen to this kid. Um, but the, the part that just is so gripping is it's the mother that's doing most of the abuse to the, to the kid. I mean, just, you know, graphic stuff that um, would make you scream. Um, mm -hmm. But the, parts that, the, the, the part that, that grips you is the dad is seeing all this stuff. And there's, like, a scene where he goes to the dad and he's like, you watched all this happen. And you did nothing. Like, he's mm -hmm. more angry at the father right. for not stepping in than he is at the mother who did the abuse. Wow. And so that, like, was one of those things, like, you just, like, read and you're like, well, now that I know this happens, mm -hmm. I can't just sit by the side. And so I <laughs> told my then um, girlfriend in high school, yes, we will be foster parents. <laughs> oh, yes. The book got you. <laughs> and so we knew in high school. Um, and we, wow. um, then, then we, you know got to see the, some of the stuff that was helpful though because you're know, like this is an idea in, in high school but then once you see other families doing it mm -hmm. um it's also very mm -hmm. powerful and you go like 
yes, that's real. It's not, doesn't sound, it's not like this, you know, impossible um, feat. Uh, this is something that anyone and everyone can do. So that was, right. that was kind of part of the story. Wow, that's amazing. What an aspiration to have in high school. I, I know. Find it safe to say most people aren't thinking of that in high school. So y'all are a different breed. Thank you. <laughs> and that's a good book if y'all um, heard it. A Child Called It, right? Is that the that's title? Right. Um, yeah. It's a really great book. I haven't read it, but I've heard about it from a lot of uh, foster parents and people and kind of in this work. So if you're listening, you yeah. should check it out. And Anna, what about you? Why did you decide to become a foster parent? Well, my husband and his sister are both adopted. So that was always a piece of our puzzle as we were dating and engaged and such, um, and obviously a huge part of his life. And so that always came up in our conversations as we were getting married and talking about building a family, the potential of adopting someday. And so we just did a bunch of research first. We looked into a lot of different ways to adopt, um, and you know, international, domestic, through foster care, and just talked to a lot of people and got some information. Uh, I remember sitting in my car one day after we had had a meeting with a social worker to talk about foster care and learn about it. And heading into that, we really seriously had this attitude of, oh, foster care is for people that know what they're doing or have parented before, which we had not. (laughs) You know, that's that's hard stuff. Let's maybe table that. But, you know, we'll make our rounds and learn learn the information. And so we had that meeting. We learned about foster care. We're sitting at my car in my car afterwards and just kind of staring at the steering wheel and the dashboard thinking, well, shoot, <laughs> <laughs> this is what we're supposed to do. This is, we uh-huh. honestly just kind of felt called to it mm-hmm. pretty quickly in that moment. And so um, we we set about it in the next year or two. Um, we we kind of took our time getting our ducks in a row and making sure that we knew what we could going into it and had a couple false starts. Some things in social services don't always go on your timeline, but right. um, we did then get licensed and, and get kids placed with us. So it it was a form of a calling for us, I would say. Um, we try to kind of live our lives on mission and just look at how can we serve others in really anything we're doing right. um, and also kind of honor my husband's and his sister's story of adoption as well. We set mm-hmm. into it just saying, give us whatever kids need a home for whatever amount of time. So I am saying adoption a bunch here, mm-hmm. um, but we did head into it not necessarily just fixed on that goal. Um, it did turn out that the first children that were placed with us, we did adopt. Uh, and so then we closed our license because we got a package deal of three yeah. of them pretty, pretty We're done. quickly. <laughs> this is it. Um, so, uh, but we were ready to take foster placements that may leave us and just really said, you know, give us whoever needs a home. And so mm-hmm. that's, that is a way that my husband will very, uh, in a very succinct way, describe it is there's just a lot of kids out there that need a home and right. we had a home and we had time to give and yeah. why not? So let's do it. Right. Or you make time, rather. Yeah. That's what everyone does when they have kids. You oh, just yes. figure it out. You just change your life accordingly. Yep. Um, so that kind of brings me to the question, you know, you hear people talk a lot about fostering and fostering to adopt. So what are some of the differences? And Slim, you two, y'all foster to adopt, right? That's right. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so do y'all both kind of want to explain some of the differences and what it may look like if you don't end up adopting them at, this, um, at the end of it, you know? Sure. Um, Anna, you want me to go? Or? <laughs> uh, go for it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, 
yeah, so we uh, we're foster adopt, and um, one of the things they they teach you in the training um, for foster care is that the goal um, 100% through this is reunification, and I think that's one of the things that you um, I think you need to know going in um, that the goal is not just to get a to go in and uh, to get a child. Um, the goal is that if foster care does what it's supposed to do, it's supposed to care for a child um, until. Um, whether it's the mother or someone else um, um, can work through what um, happened um, to you know, necessitate the child to be you know, you know in, a, in a placement uh, and with with another family. So if it's with maybe a drug addiction, which was for us, um, I think we had eight placements um, as our time as foster parents. Um, I think 100% of those um, had to deal with um, meth, and mm-hmm. so the you know, the, the hope is that they would then work through that. And so you see people at different stages. Some, um, there's no, there was zero hope that the child would go back um, in the sense that the mom or the father was not making any steps towards it. There's others mm-hmm. that were making steps, but um, as is true with um, drugs like that, especially that one, um, it's so addictive that, you know, there's good days and bad days. And so right. some, you know, the parent would do well, but then not so well. Um, but the goal is for the child then to go back to them. Um, and if not them, then with, uh, you know, kinship or family member placement. Mm-hmm. Um, and if all those um, avenues um, get cut out um, and cannot go any further, that's when adoption becomes a, a, an idea. And I think that's just important for foster parents to know going into it. Right. Uh, because I think that's when you get hurt. Yes. <laughs> right. When you think you know that's right. Like every foster parent can 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 uh, relate to that of saying, "No, I've I've imagined this child is uh, my child," and that's when. Um, but I think, yeah, that's that's when it hurts. But I think that sometimes I feel like I've heard this a lot from people. Um, well, I, I I couldn't do that because I couldn't imagine you know caring for a child and then them going away. Um, you know, I, I I would just love them too much. I'm mm-hmm. like. Yeah, well, I, always yeah. hear, I always hear folks say, oh, I would get too attached. And I just want to tell yeah. them, that's the whole point. <laughs> yeah. You're supposed that's to love right. them too much. <laughs> Please love that's them right. 110%. Get too attached. <laughs> right. For whatever time you have with them. And, and ultimately, right. it's like the love you gave, even if you're hurting afterwards and they find a different home, you can always look back and say, I helped them during that, you know, very vulnerable, scary time in their life. So. Right. Right. So, yeah, we had we had a, a short I mean, short term placements. You know, like from the get go, like it's not going to last. Um, we had a couple short term placements, and it was just we knew for, from the beginning. It was like, yeah, but this is what they need right now. Like right now, they're sleeping at the police office. Um, mm-hmm. They need a place to stay right now, and our bed is open. We might as well say yes to this. Um, awesome. So, yeah, foster to adopt can kind of be your attitude or stance of how you're coming into this. And it can be some technicalities too, including what is your home licensed as? Um, you know, you can you can state we are foster parents only, meaning place children with us for an amount of time, you know, as long as they need. But our home, our family does not intend to adopt legally any children that come to us. All the way to some folks will state we don't we want to lessen the unknowns so please give us children that are waiting for adoption and there there are many many children out there in that situation too um that are waiting for a permanent loving home and then foster to adopt is sort of in the middle um you can that's how my home was labeled even though our attitude really was give us whoever needs to come to us mm-hmm. we were technically labeled foster to adopt just it's sort of a twofer 
in the paperwork that then in the event that a placement turns to adoption, once, as Slim described, once it's been determined that the children cannot go home to their biological family, if it turns to adoption and your home is the right home, it's already set up for that, and you mm-hmm. can go ahead and proceed in that manner. So we went ahead and got licensed in that way, and then that is indeed what happened. They can always edit a license. You know, if there's somebody licensed as a foster parent and then it turns to adoptions, they can they can fix that up pretty quick mm-hmm. <laughs> to ensure that that child right. can stay in your home. But there's some of those technicalities and just what what's the, the purpose of your your home right now so that they know what children can come to you. Right. Okay, that's some good info. And the next thing I like to always talk about are some challenges and victories. Um, so share some challenges and some victories. Well, it feels like there were a lot of challenges <laughs> in the beginning because we didn't know what the heck we were doing. Yes, nothing but. Huh? <laughs> we we went from having no children in our home and never parented before to we had a six-month-old and an 18-month-old brought to our doorstep with, you know, two hours notice. And um, wow. so it's, but I mean, that's, it's similar to bringing a newborn baby home. You're not mm-hmm. going to sleep a whole lot. You're going to question if you're doing things right. Uh, you're probably going to not have all the stuff and things that you actually need. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's, there's a lot of challenges in the beginning, and they were very little, the, our children, when they came to us. But, you know, it may be middle schoolers. It may be older kids that come to you. And so there's a scramble at the beginning, right. which is hard. Mm-hmm. And then just as the case evolves, there's a lot of different things going on. There's a lot of different professionals and players involved in this child's life that then are sort of, pushed into your life as well, since you're the one taking care of the child. Um, and that, that can in, include some, you know, challenges with school or behavior or things like that. These children have experienced trauma, and even if they're very young, that affects them. That affects their brain. And so right. um, they need a trauma-informed home to mm-hmm. take care of them and help them walk through that. Um, some wins that we saw, our biggest win is that we were able to keep three siblings together. Yes. Um, that's a huge challenge in the foster care arena is when you have a sibling group and it does turn out that they can't go home to their biological family, are they going to get split up? Um, we're kind of grateful that we headed into this as a first step for our family. We, we sort of say we chose foster care first, and then when we ended up with three kids, we decided we chose <laughs> foster care only. And, so, <laughs> um, and so, so that was a big victory or win in our eyes is that we we were able to keep three kids together because we had the capacity in our home yeah that's huge and rare Hmm. slim what about you yeah um i think uh for what the the wins and the uh um what did you say not not losses uh challenges yes a better (laughs) word (laughs) that's right okay um it felt like they always came one after another. Um, and so it felt like there was a challenge and then a win right then. And so like yeah. our very first placement, we kind of knew early in that um, they were going to get reunited um, with actually with uh, grandparents instead of um, the mother. And so you kind of go and go like, okay, this, this is um, short term and we're going to care for her. Um, but it was still three months and three months doesn't sound that long, but um, caring for a child for that long, you really do get it. You do get too attached. And so like, mm-hmm. as we said, second ago like you get too attached and so when when she left our home um you know that was just like a it felt like you know like a hole in your heart and you're like Ugh. Mm-hmm. and so like I mean like I understand why people get frustrated or they say like I can't do it because it is hard but it's again it's for the child it's not for you right um and so but then like the child that came right after that was our son Jordan um who we ended up adopting um and 
I think I remember like the first couple of weeks I was like trying to not be too attached. I was trying mm-hmm. to be cold. Like, you know, he may not be here and just trying to see it that, that way, like <laughs> to oh. protect my own heart. Yeah. And then I just realized I'm like, because he came to us at one month old. Um, oh my goodness. And so he was real young. Um, and I just, I felt so, I remember like, well, giving him a bottle at like whatever it was three in the morning going like, I can't be this cold to him. Like, and right. I, just kind of opened up my heart and yeah. uh, but then the same thing happened with our second child as well we had a we had another girl um, placed with us um, from from the hospital she was she was like uh, two days old wow. and then she um, stayed with us until she was um, nine months old so that one felt like our child in the sense that it was you know came from the hospital yeah, obviously not our one. child yeah. Yeah. but that's how it felt and then when she left uh, that one we were like we're done we called we called our uh, agency Mm-hmm. Uh, Aaron, we said no more, no more placements. We're done. Um, we we don't want to see. We, we, I can't imagine doing this again. And then they called and they said, "Well, we know you said no more placements because you don't want a child to go. <laughs> <laughs> but we have a child whose parents' rights are terminated. Uh, would you take this child?" We're like, "Ah!" <laughs> and so and we said, "Of course, no. of course." <laughs> and so that child we we adopted. Uh, that's our second child, Mateo. Um, so it was kind of you just it it is hard, but it's also worth it. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, it is a roller coaster. I think that's important for people to know. And and it sounds like you've had some losses of kids leaving the home, but then your heart was kind of refilled. So, yeah, it's a lot of ups and downs, which I would imagine parenting is anyway. I'm not a parent, but it's a lot of ups and downs. Oh, yes. So There's a lot of similarities between yeah. this and having biological children. Right. Yeah. That's something that folks... They'll look at foster care and say, oh, another I could never do that reason because mm-hmm. there's just so many unknowns. And I kind of tell them nothing's given even when you have your own, right. you know, you have biological children. Mm-hmm. Um, they may have an illness mm-hmm. or an accident or struggles in school or right. who knows what. Um, you may face grave challenges even with biological children. And I, I say mm-hmm. that and then I feel like Debbie Downer. <laughs> um, but, you know, I'm, tr- I'm trying to draw the comparison that folks do this every day. Being a parent is just is hard regardless yeah. and just mm-hmm. quite a life experience regardless of right. how the children come to you. Yeah. You're pretty much wearing your heart on your sleeve, whether you're a biological parent, adoptive parent, whatever it is. Um, so my next thing is, and for those listening, how can they become a foster parent and does it look the same in different cities or States? Well, we're here in Waco. And so if Slim and I talk about our experience here, that's in Waco, Texas. Um, it will, have similarities though across even the nation um it would be on a state-by-state basis pretty much and then different resources and agencies in your city might vary so to become a foster parent you have to get licensed so and you've heard me say that word already so that just means that you know here the state of texas has determined that my home is safe and appropriate to take in children that are in foster care. Mm-hmm. So there's there's a lot involved in that, honestly. You probably have to go to some classes. There's a lot of paperwork. There's some inspections of your physical home to make sure it's safe, you know, fire inspections, things like that. There's a home study, which is essentially a really long interview of you, your spouse, your children, if, if you have any, and if they're of an age to participate and then um, they'll they'll license your home and then kind of monitor it through any cases and placements that you have. So there's here there's two ways to go about that. You can get licensed straight through CPS, Child Protective Services, mm-hmm. and that is what my family did. Or you can get licensed through a private agency who's essentially a nonprofit that contracts with the state to 
monitor, license, and support foster homes. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I believe that's how Slim's family was licensed. So it's a lot of the same steps. You know, some of the details will vary on types of paperwork you submit and right. when the classes are, you know, things like that. Mm-hmm. But, um, so one of the two should be available wherever you are if you're interested in getting licensed. Um we had a great experience working directly with CPS. They have a department within their office that that's their job is to license, monitor, and support foster homes. And so mm-hmm. we felt like we had really good support uh, awesome. through through our social worker that was straight through C- CPS. Slim, do you have a, a different angle or anything to add from being licensed through a private agency? Yeah, um, we were uh, we were actually licensed through both. Um, because we began the process in North Carolina um, before we moved to Texas and we went through CPS there. We didn't have a great experience um, with our CPS there um, only because, um, I mean, it's going to be different by different place, but um, we didn't have a great experience. So we, when we came to Waco, we had heard about um, this other um, agency, uh, Arrow. um, And that's who we went through here in Waco um, and they're nationwide as well. um, And, it was a great experience for us, um, but we also realized, and this is one of the reasons I'm, uh, I now serve on the board of CASA, is because the system is just so overwhelmed with children mm-hmm. um, that for a CPS uh, caseworker, um, I mean, Anna, you may know the st- statistics off the top of your head, but may have 40 case, forty children on, the, on their caseload. Mm-hmm. It's pretty um, high. Is that, what's that? It's pretty high. They have a bunch. Yeah. Yeah. So they, ha- they, have, a, they have so many that mm-hmm. we found to have another agency like Arrow uh, on top of CPS. So we would have a CPS caseworker as well as an Arrow caseworker um, checking in with us. And when the CPS caseworker couldn't do it because they had so many other cases to look at and mm-hmm. our case was falling through the cracks with our son, Jordan, um, they're only supposed to stay with you for um, 12 months um, before they kind of decide where they're going to, you know, what they're going to do for long term. Right. He was with us for two years before they mm-hmm. decided. Wow. Um, and so, wow. It, the case was just consistently falling through the cracks. But our case, our, our um, error case worker was um, fantastic at constantly kind of bringing it before the judges, kind of putting it back in front of people and being an advocate for us, And which is why I like, love CASA for being these you know, court-appointed special advocates yeah. to have someone reminding the, you know, the, the, the judge and, and those in the system to go like, hey, look at this child, and right. this child matters. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's kind of why... Um, I think it's helpful to have either some other agency to support you because just there's just more hands and more eyes on the child is, is going to be better. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the CPS caseworker is the caseworker for the child. And so yeah. it's good to also, you know, as a foster family, have a resource person for you and for your home. Right. Um, we mm-hmm. had that person. It's just, it's still a CPS social worker, but different, you know, job description. And so we, we kind of joked, we called her our free therapy because <laughs> when she come by, we just could kind of vent about what yeah. was going on. And, and yet she was, you know, she's an informed individual and knew the system. And so she could advise us to a degree um, and then kind of put things back in the, the other CPS caseworkers court as it related specifically to the children. Great. Well, overall, it sounds like support is a big word we are hearing. Um so now my last thing is some advice. If there are people out here thinking of fostering or fostering to adopt, what would be y'all's advice to them? I'm the type that likes to learn about something a whole lot before we jump into mm-hmm. it. So I mentioned at the beginning of this, my husband and I really did a lot of research. We just, 
you know, did a lot of web searching and looked at blogs and stalked some people on social media that looked like they were doing this successfully and <laughs> uh, kind of went from there. So we just, before we did anything, we mm-hmm. just learned a lot. Um, and I tell people now, if I meet somebody that's possibly interested in being a foster parent or trying to adopt or something like that, I'll give them my email and phone number. I'll just say, just talk to me. I'd be mm-hmm. happy to get coffee with you and just, you know, tell you our story and the ins and outs and answer your questions. So whether you can find a, you know, real human, if you want that to be me, you, you could reach <laughs> out to call this. Anna. Yeah, I'm always happy to almost overshare <laughs> about this if I can latch on to anybody interested. So that's sort of a first piece of advice is just just start learning about it, right. um, whether that's from online or from somebody you know. I think it helps if you see somebody you know or are acquainted with that's doing this, then you can see, oh, maybe I can do this. Right. Um, and then... If you do decide to go for it, I'd say build your village ahead of time. This is a, this is a challenging path to walk. And so, you know, surround yourself with family, friends, church, whatever that may be. We literally used a phrase as we were getting licensed. We said, will you be on our team? Um, will you be in oh, our village? Cool. I mean, whether that was babysitters mm. or just yeah. folks that were ready to kind of jump in when we needed them. Mm-hmm. And we built our team ahead of time. And that. That, that paid off after two babies were... Dropped on our doorstep. Yeah. Not really. They weren't dropped on the doorstep. They were brought into the house. <laughs> they were brought in the home. <laughs> but we joke about that. Um, and so, yeah, I'd also say in in light of, um, you know, building your team or your village, do try to connect with somebody that has done this specifically. And even if it's in your area, that's even better um, because they can guide you on resources or professionals or you know, here's, here's a pediatrician that takes Medicaid, try them. You mm-hmm. know, we had somebody that we knew that had been a foster parent for years right here. So it's the same system that they were operating in right. as well. And we reached out, to, she, you know, she didn't necessarily help us babysit or things like that. Our church kind of wrapped us, wrapped around us for those type of things. She was technical support because mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, mm-hmm. you're kind of launched into some complicated stuff at, at first and some things need to happen quickly. And so she was really a good guide for that type of content for us Uh, so yeah just really try to surround yourself with supportive people including people that are in the know about this stuff specifically Mm -hmm. and then go for it you can do it you really can yeah you can do it (laughs) so build your team get a guide do some research slim what do you have for us uh my only thing is i think um i think it can be such a scary thing um i think doing the research is going to help you kind of make it not so scary you know mm-hmm. it's unfamiliar um so that will help but um i just think and i feel this from someone else who shared it with me um that you know imagine you're walking up to a this this you come to this river and all of a sudden you see just kind of like you know moses uh, being floated down the river there's a baby you know coming down the river and you want to jump in and save that baby mm-hmm. um and you see another baby coming down you want to grab that baby as well mm-hmm. um but in a sense like people who just want to jump in and, and start like you know, caring for, for children, that those are kind of the, the foster parents. Um, and that, that is a way to jump in and to be, and to, uh, to, to serve. But there's also like, what happens when, if a couple babies go past you and go down the stream, what's going to happen to them? And that's kind of where like, you know, we think of like, what happens when ch- children age out of the foster care system, jumping mm-hmm. into, uh, and, 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 you know, might go into prisons and things like that, like to have someone caring for them. Um, or if go up the stream how are these children coming into the stream what's happening what are some of the systems in place and that's where you can get involved in some of the courts um or you know along with some of this is kind of you know basically the, my, my point is i think 
jump in some way. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> there's so many avenues to help out, <laughs> uh, whether it's through um, being a, 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 you know, like I said, kind of like with a CASA advocate to actually like just advocate for these children. Um, yeah. Or that's maybe just being a, um, if you know a foster parent to like go through the licensing um, um, processes to um, be able to babysit for these parents. Cause there's so many restrictions on who can babysit. You know, mm-hmm. you have to have CPR certified and um, you know, all these different things that it's kind of a, a higher bar than you would ask of anyone else to, um, to watch your kids, uh, right. you know, background check and things like that. Um, but good things, but still, I think it, it's jumping in on some level. And so that's just my thing is if you are somewhat interested, if you're listening to this podcast, um, I'd say jump into the stream somehow. Um, <laughs> get wet. <laughs> yes. Yep. yep. I agree. I love it. All right, guys. Well, you heard it from them. Jump in, build a team, um, but mostly learn more. Uh, I hope this kind of gave you an idea of what it's like. You get to hear from people who fostered themselves. Thank you all so much for coming on. If you are interested out there, uh, look in your area. If you're here in McLennan County, they gave you some ideas. And if not, just start Googling. Um, We need a lot of foster parents wherever you are. Thank you, guys. Thanks. Thank you. This has been Rogue Media Network Podcast.